Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88, depending on where you are in the amazing country that we call home, that being the continent of Australia. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Lyle and Monica with The Breakfast Show this morning. Welcome to the show. It is a little bit of a sad, uh, tumultuous morning. We've got some uh, breaking news uh, that we'll be discussing throughout the show today. Um, stuff happening in America, stuff happening in our own backyard. Which of course, by the time you get to hear it, will be a it's day delayed. old. Yeah, Because exactly. you're listening to the delayed broadcast. You are listening to the delayed broadcast. So if you're wondering why we're discussing day old news uh, throughout this show, it is because you need to jump over to the live show. It's actually very easy to do. That's right. Just simply jump on faithfm.com.au or use the TuneIn app. It's very easy. You can just download TuneIn and then look for Faith FM Australia and then you can just press play. So either listen to the live stream on our website or listen to the live stream via the app. They're both free and you can use them anywhere on the planet that you can get a Wi-Fi signal. And of course, if you are a part of the live show, you can call in, you can comment, you can have your say, you can use the open line, you can... Answer the quiz, be part of the quiz. The quiz is really easy. The first clue was, at a city, sorry, at a synagogue in this city, Jesus read, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. All you had to do was tell us what city Jesus was in when he said that, and you could have won the book today. Yeah, you'll find the answer to that one in Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. Mm, It's very easy. There you go. Anyway, that's uh, the live show which you can catch um, online. And of course, you know, the great other great thing about doing it online is you get a perfect signal. You don't have to wonder, worry about, oh. you know, driving in and out of the signal. It's yes. just always there and it sounds nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, you don't have any of that uh, static that you can sometimes get if you are too far from a transmitter. But hey, look, if you can't join us on the live show, no worries. We have a wonderful program ready for you today. We have a fantastic interview with Daniel Reno. Who oh, is this the, is so yes, interesting. We actually got him to stay a bit longer for us and do two segments with us because um, he's just written a new book about the spirituality of the Anzacs and he's let the Anzacs speak for themselves which and in is doing so wonderful. he has seriously exploded some myths Absolutely. about men and masculine Christianity and uh, Christi- and spirituality amongst um, the soldiers mm. then and also spirituality in Australia today. Yeah, it was a great a glimpse of you know who we are as a nation when it comes to spirituality and we've already had some positive feedback listening texting in, messaging us, telling us how much they enjoyed that interview. So stick around. You will enjoy that one for sure. So don't go anywhere. We've got more great programming coming up, some great stories to talk about. And uh, we look forward. We, we, we enjoy your mm-hmm. company as well, even though you are a day late. Yeah. We enjoy positively different radio, no matter how late it is. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Why not? We've got some very positive stuff as well. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more in just a moment after this.
listening to Home Free, How Great They Are here on Faith FM and a little bit of a sober story as we begin today's news segment with this uh, shooting taking place in the YouTube headquarters and you sort of wonder when's it ever going to stop happening, these Mm. mass shootings and uh, uh, there's a number of unconfirmed reports coming out of several hospitals that are taking casualties and other people that have um, been administering first aid just uh, on, on the street so to speak. So that's active right now, and apparently the shooter is still active within the building. So something we need to um, be taking very seriously and praying for. And something else we need to be praying for that's also happening happening actively right now is in our own uh, in our own country, our own backyard, uh, Sydney Harbour Bridge is currently closed down because a man has climbed um, part of the bridge, and um, police officers are trying to negotiate with him. He just seems to be sitting there and ignoring them. So we definitely need to rally together and pray this morning. We have a lot of serious things happening in the world today. Hmm, definitely. Coming back to our quiz, do you have another clue for us I there, Mon? I do have another clue. And then I'm hoping you're going to have some, ho- some happy, positive story to brighten I, I our day. I do have some happy, positive stories for you. Don't worry, we're going we're gonna to cheer up a little bit. What city am I? This is our quiz today. And the first clue was, at a synagogue in this city, Jesus read, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And the second clue is, the people of this city tried to throw Jesus off a cliff. Okay. Mm, They tried. Didn't succeed, though. Praise God. No, because Jesus vanished and walked through the middle of the crowd. What's our our clue for today? Your clue, you mean prize? What am I thinking? This, this, it's know, hump day. This is, this is what happens when I try to multitask. So Mon sits here and, and, and knits and crochets all the way through our breakfast show. And I'm like, how do you even do that? I wouldn't be able to breathe if I was doing that. And uh, and I'm trying to keep up with the news that's just pouring through my computer right now as we're going. And His uh, brain shuts down. My brain shuts down. <laughs> that's a good thing about being a woman. Well, let me tell you, the prize today, if you get the quiz right, is America in Prophecy, the beginning of the end. I thought it was quite a uh, poignant uh, prize for today. Yes. So this is a book, um, and this is you know all about prophecy in the Bible and how it relates to the, to the United States of America, which, as we know, is quite the superpower, mm-hmm. um, you know, today. And so this is the prize. It's uh, written by E. G. White. Um, it's a great book, very, very interesting, a riveting read. I have to tell you, really riveting read. You can get a hold of that if you know the answer to the quiz. Just give us a call one eight hundred Faith FM. That's one 324 Very appropriate for today news stories. Okay, what have we got that is positive in our world today? We are Positively Different Radio here, so what good news would you like to share with us? Lyle, if your wife, your very beautiful wife, Shell, who is listening to us every day, Mm -hmm. if she had an accident and became paralyzed from the waist down, Mm -hmm. 
how far would you go to make sure that she could still join in on all the family activities? Well, I would like to think that I would go as far as possible. I mean, that's a little bit of a uh, one of those things that is, well, unless you're in that situation. It's hard to answer. I it's know. hard to answer. So there's a devoted husband who's designed a special wheelchair for his wife so she won't miss out on any family activities. She had a car accident uh, 19 years ago. Her name is Liz Soden, and she was paralyzed from the waist down. You're going to love this story, by the way, because like, you being a dude and, and you being into four-wheel driving and stuff. And so, you know, she, he didn't want her to miss out, and he started talking to like scientists and engineers about this idea he had for an all-terrain wheelchair oh, and they basically like- told him it was impossible and he had he has no college degree no formal engineering training he just kept getting all these blanks from all these engineers saying no it's not possible it's not possible several years later he has created the tank chair check this out I'm gonna put this oh, on. Oh wow! I'm gonna put this oh, on our Facebook. Oh my goodness! Isn't that I so want cool? one. It's so I cool. want one of those. I'm gonna describe I'm gonna it to you. Around on that. <laughs> my both my stories are very that visual today, so we're gonna put them up on on Facebook for you. Basically, think of like an office chair that has this guy. Arms, just, this guy just wanted to have fun. And then it has these uh, triangular tank wheels, like those tank tracks. What do you call those? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, tank yeah, tracks. Yeah. And this thing, there's a video. We'll put it on Facebook. This thing goes everywhere. You can see it like launching over curbs and going like over potholes like they don't even exist it's just amazing and uh he's now he created he perfected the design a few years ago and he's now sold dozens of tank chairs to disabled individuals around the world and he said money doesn't drive him it's all about the smiles on people's faces and the families that he's helped that thing would put a smile on my face and i'm not even paralyzed i want to go for a spin on one of those so the 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 treads can cross (laughs) sand mud snow and rocky terrain and it is so cool it is ex- dear listener it is exactly what you think it is if, you, <laughs> if in your mind you're thinking if someone's in an office chair okay, like launching is, over all terrains yes, that's this what is it, it is this is a uh, this is an office chair that looks like a tank yeah it's so cool <laughs> anyway okay story number two and this one's this they're both very aesthetically pleasing stories today so we will have to put them up on uh, facebook so you can get the visual there there's a german company that has finally created plates that biodegrade get this mm. in 28 days okay biodegradable plates in 20 i thought you were going to say 28 seconds no, that's... Wait, you can't even eat your dinner in 28 seconds, Lyle. Like I serve my dinner, it's like, oh, now it's on my lap. These are made from leaves. Let me show you a picture. Isn't that a beautiful plate? Oh, oh, wow. Isn't it really pretty? That is actually very cool. I'd eat out of that. Yeah, I'd, eat, I'd be a bit sad that it died in 28 days. It sort of looks like a little bit, you know, when I was in Papua New Guinea and we would eat out of banana leaves. Well, that's the thing. They're saying, that, you know, India, for example, has been using leaves as plates for eons. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's not exactly a new thing, but they're bringing it to the Western world in a way that, you know, it can be purchased from the store. Um, so basically, it's, it's comprised of three layers and they're waterproof plates made without any glue or additives. Um, so they're really really can completely biodegrade in, in less than a month. So the th- three layers. The top layer is compressed leaves. So these plates are actually beautiful green. You can see the veins of the leaves. You can see where the leaves have been stitched together and, uh, and then they're compressed. And then the middle layer is paper, also made out of um, leaves. So it's a bit like you know, recycled paper that you know, uh-huh, how you, uh-huh. you made out as a kid. Yeah. It's that kind of paper. And then the bottom layer is once again um, compressed leaves. So it's leaf, leaf paper, leaf and it all gets and it has a machine it, it um it uh, applies heat and pressure stamps it together and then boom you have these wonderful and they're so pretty i like well it doesn't start to biodegrade like i fill it with hot soup or something or other and suddenly i'm eating leaves instead <laughs> no these are, they're actually waterproof so yeah it's pretty cool um i'm gonna put a picture of them because i i i was like i would love to have these in my home like they're beautiful they're prettier than any plate I've ever seen. Like, they're actually pretty. They're not like an ugly plastic plate you use yeah. at a picnic and can't mm. wait to chuck out. These are really nice. Very, I want to see these in like, you know, better homes and gardens. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> so, so with a plate like this, I mean, the other thing that goes through my mind is that they, if they get a bit damp, like say your, your, your picnic box or you've got them in the esky. Let's say you've got them in the esky because mm-hmm. the inside of an esky always gets damp, right? Because you've mm-hmm. got the cold blocks in there and so forth. Mm-hmm. 
Does that mean that uh, they will start to biodegrade there? How waterproof are they? Will they start to go mouldy if they've got damp? Do you know what? I don't have the answer to those questions, but I'm guessing because it is waterproof. Because they are, you can see around the, the, you know, the layers are compressed together and you can see in the picture around the edges it is sealed to some degree. So I'm guessing um, it's not until you like maybe stick it in the, in the trash or put it through a shredder or something, it actually, the, the damp becomes an issue. Um, but they look really nice and they – but it's not supposed to necessarily be a replacement for your china, right? No, it's a replacement for your paper plate. Yeah. So when you go out on a picnic – plastic plate. Yeah. When you go out on a picnic and you get like plastic plates and plastic cups, instead of using that stuff, you can use these and then when you put them in the garbage, you probably even put them in your own compost. Or, or if your wife goes overseas – yeah. And you don't want to do dishes. <laughs> and they're also very, very affordable. So less than a dollar each. So, and that's, uh, and they're even cheaper because if you get them out of India, you know, you get them in bulk. Yep. So yeah, I'm, I'm, maybe you've got, got a go new shopping. business you need to start here and start importing leaf plates. Yeah, I'm going to start, um, multitasking and I might do some online shopping and buy some plates. <laughs> We're going to have a quick song break. This is Melissa Otto. Can you hear? Please don't forget to pray for our brothers and sisters in America and on the Sydney Harbour Bridge today. The long battle is now behind No more need to be brave For those
You were listening to Melissa Rotto. Can you hear here on Faith FM? And hopefully we can all hear because we're our radio station. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a bit bad if we couldn't hear. True that. Not going to argue with that logic. Let me give him the clue, Lyle. Yes. Okay. What city am I? Mm-hmm. This is our quiz today. First clue was, at a synagogue in this city, Jesus read, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Mm-hmm. Second clue, the people of this city tried to throw Jesus off a cliff. And clue number three, God sent Gabriel to this city. Mm. If you know the answer to this question, then give us a call 1-800-324-843 or send us a text message on 0491-064-669 or send us a message on Facebook with your answer and there is a prize coming your way, which is America America in in Prophecy. Prophecy. And while we're talking about American Prophecy, quick update on the YouTube shooting. Apparently, with the latest news coming through, the shooter is still at large. Uh, At least 37 people have been admitted to hospital already. So we really need a very serious uh, situation that we need to be praying for there and of course YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world after Google um, and it is the third most visited website in the world Wow! Um, at least 1 billion hours of YouTube are watched every day with 1 trillion mobile views per day Whoa. so that's a uh, some very very large statistics coming out of YouTube and of course YouTube has a uh, incredible Power to be able to shape our world and to shape society in our world and to affect the way that we think because they're able to control, you know, obviously what comes up when we hit our search buttons and so forth. And 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 so, yeah, you can understand why it does create some, I guess, angst at times, but that doesn't justify in any way, shape or form violence as a solution. Mm. And, and we're all, I think we're all have used um, sorry YouTube and we're all somehow connected to YouTube most of us have accounts and go on there almost every day and so this is um this is not something that's you know very far from our personal who we are you know and so it's very sad I actually just read that the shooter was um unconfirmed but there's been reports it's actually a woman Mm. so I'm very intrigued to know you know what's happened why why the shooter is going on this rampage so yeah definitely Need to keep them in prayer. Um, you know, praise the Lord we have a God that we can pray to and that he's our prayer. Indeed. Well, I'd like to share a story with you about eh, possibly the worst parenting I've ever come across. Oh, really? Yeah, so this is the facts of the case. Go on. Um, young man by the name of Ethan Couch, who was 16 years old at the time and who was driving unsupervised. Um, he had borrowed the family uh, car, the family ute, without permission. Mm-hmm. Um, he was three times over the legal limit for an adult with Whoa. his uh, blood alcohol. Whoa! Um, after playing beer pong with friends um, and drinking alcohol that they'd stolen from a local Walmart. Stolen? Yes. Oh, this gets worse and worse. On top of that, he was speeding when he hit and killed four pedestrians, one of them who was oh. disabled and three people who were helping the disabled person get back to their car. So this was uh, a youth pastor who had come on the scene and was helping this person and then uh, mother and daughter had come out of their home to help this person and the, all four of them were hit and killed by this speeding drunk uh, teenager. Um, who, Criminal teenager. Yes. Okay, so um, as you would expect, he was um, charged with manslaughter. Mm-hmm. But he got off. No. On an argument of affluenza. What does that even mean? Okay, affluenza is um, irresponsibility, the result of an entitled upbringing because he comes from a very, very wealthy family. And so they said, well, you know, we need to give this guy some um, some leniency right now because um, he doesn't really deserve this because um, he grew up in a wealthy home and grew up with a feeling of entitlement, so it's not really his fault. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. This is all the more reason to punish okay, him. Okay, so he was placed on probation, um, and the terms of his probation was that uh, he could not, um, as part of the terms of probation, he could not drink alcohol. Uh-huh. And so he promptly went out to a party and consumed alcohol, and so his mother stepped in and took him to Mexico. So they fled to Mexico. Um, where she ended up um, committing fraud and money laundering 
and became guilty of hindering a uh, apprehension of a felon and so forth so that her son could not go to, to stop him from going to jail. But of course, when they got to Mexico, being from a wealthy background, they couldn't really handle living in Mexico. So they ended up back in the United States mm-hmm. uh, where they were arrested again. And after a couple of weeks stint in jail, he's back out again. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. Is the mother back in... Oh, and by the way, the father um, was um, is up for impersonating a peace officer or a poli- uh, police officer. Did, did the parents go to prison at all? Um, they are awaiting trial. This is insane. This sounds like a movie script. I feel like you just it read does, me the synopsis it? of like... A bad movie. It does. And it's one of those things where you sort of stop and think to yourself, you know, what is our world coming to? First of all, you know, what kind of parents are these? Yeah. What kind of a parent steps in and when their child is feeling just, you know, super entitled and uh, and all the rest and, and, and kills four people. Mm-hmm. After having it's stolen like, oh, alcohol. my precious baby can't spend time in jail, so I'm going to uh, take him to Mexico. Oh, we can't stay in Mexico because this is a developing country. You know, oh, we come back. Well, let's get him back. Let's get him off on the uh, on, on his charges again on uh, on, on the excuse affluenza. of affluenza. It's a, it's, it, to me, it sounds like oh, we're rich. We can't handle real life. Sorry. To exactly. Me, it sounds exactly. like a more of a reason why he needs to face the consequences of his actions because he's clearly never had to face well, them he's before. Never, he's never faced consequences before. This is very clearly the case. And so they're saying, well, because he's never faced consequences before, this is why he's done this because he doesn't understand what consequences are. Therefore, it's not really his fault. I feel like the legal injustice system has absolutely let us down here. It's completely broken. Thankfully, this is happening in the United States. But we have just as crazy stuff happening in uh-huh. this country. Believe me. Uh huh. Well, I mean, I just read a story this morning about a mother who's receiving death threats because she tried to discipline her child. Uh, has a fifteen-year-old son who um, was saying. So, what did she? What did she try and discipline? Did she take him out and beat him up or something? Or no, other? not even that. Not even rem- discipline is probably a way too harsh of a word for what she actually did. So she knows her son was starting to act a little too entitled, mm-hmm. and so he didn't want to wear op shop clothes, and he he didn't want to shop at like you know Big W, and so he was and he was making fun of other kids in his class who were wearing op shop clothes. Okay. Okay, so this is the mother then of a child who is also entitled, but also she's actually entitled. doing something about it. Absolutely, and it wasn't even rather that much. than rather than feeding yes, the problem, she's exactly. doing something about exactly. it. Exactly. So she made him take twenty dollars of his own pocket money. They went to an op shop. He had to buy twenty dollars worth of op shop clothes and wear them for an entire week at school. Oh, it's actually this no. week, so he's only halfway through. And she put a face. My heart bleeds for him already. I know, right? I mean, I'm always wearing op shop <laughs> yeah, clothes. Sorry. I'm wearing this. I got this from op shop right. <laughs> this shirt that I'm wearing right now. She's wearing a grey card- cardigan with uh, a pink blue spots top. On. Yeah, and yeah. I had to take this shirt in because it was too big from the op shop I mean it cost me four bucks though but yeah so she made her son uh, wear op shop clothes this very week and um, put it up on Facebook with her son's permission to you know to stick it up and tell other parents her story she is getting death threats for shaming her son Oh my goodness, you've I got know. to be joking. I would really like to know what our listeners think about this. If you have an opinion about either of these two stories, give us a call 1-800-FAITH-FM. Which is 1-800-324-843. We would love to hear your opinion on discipline. Should we discipline our children or not? What does the Bible say on this subject? The Bible says that um, foolishness lives in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it from him. Mm. And, you know, this is this is this is what, you know, we don't expect our children to know everything. Mm. There is a reason that they are children and we are adults and we should act like adults and we should be the one who run, runs the home. Absolutely. When a child runs the home, foolishness runs the home because a child is not qualified to run the home and and, and that's where we get these kinds of situations like this Ethan Couch who you know is not, not even facing jail time after killing four people, four innocent people as a result of his entitlement. Well, we're going to have a quick song break. We're going to be listening to Sons of Korah, Psalm 23. The Lord's my shepherd I shall not want He makes me lie down In pastures of green He leads me gently To water still 
Listening to Sons of Korah, Psalms 23 here on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, and 88 right across Australia. And we have a very exciting interview coming up right now, Monica. Ooh, who's We forgot? have Daniel Renault on the line, who I'm told is a walking encyclopedia of all things historical. Oh, I love walking encyclopedia people. They're the best kind of people. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Now, I understand that you are about to, you're a uh, history lecturer at Avondale College and author of a book that is about to be released um, tomorrow, is it? The book launch is tomorrow, yes. Congratulations. Yes. And this book, this is about Anzac spirituality. What's the title of of this book? It's uh, Anzac spirituality, the first AIF soldiers speak. Okay. What is AIF? It's the Australian Imperial Force. It's the official name for the Anzacs in the First World War. Oh. So we all know of them of An- uh, 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 know of them as Anzacs, but uh, yes, this was the, the the official title. Now, Daniel, just you know, very quickly, Anzac spirituality, we often don't think of our armed forces as being you know necessarily very spiritual people in today's world. Was it different back then? 
No, it wasn't different, and it's not because they weren't necessarily spiritual, but because we have completely underestimated and have habitually done so. We've underestimated the spirituality both of the Australian nation mm-hmm. and of our armed services. Right. So does that mean um, people just presume that there aren't as many believers amongst us as, as there actually are? Yes, that's certainly true. It's a, it's a habit in Australian um, historical studies to, to underestimate the role that religion has played in our nation. And uh, I, I guess my interest in, in the Anzacs specifically was piqued by our leading historian who, who wrote a book about the Anzacs based on reading the diaries of a thousand soldiers in which he said there were three silences. They didn't speak about sex, politics or religion. And he thought the latter one was the most surprising. Yeah, and it is. struck me as, as odd. Mm. So I thought I'd investigate it. Now, I guess back in those days, there was maybe, what, a little bit more friction between, say, Protestants and Catholics than what there is these days? Or why, why was it in particular Certainly. they didn't uh, talk about religion? Well, another historian has suggested that um, Australians have characteristically kept religion out of the public conversation uh, in order to avoid the kind of conflicts that that Europe and Britain experienced. And I think there's an element of truth in that. But what it's done is created the impression that we're not religious instead of the fact that we are religious, but we don't shove it in each other's faces so that we don't cause friction. Mm. And maybe that's, that's a, a yeah. much yeah, that's a much better way of understanding the Australian approach to religion. And I would say it's a much better um, approach to uh, to religion as well, because you know religion is such a driving force in politics and uh, you know in warfare historically. Um, you know, you mm. get the union of church and state together; it always seems to result in a disaster and religious wars and, and and people being killed for their faith and so forth. And and maybe as Australians, we how, how did we how did we actually end up with this kind of a culture? I guess there was a, a sense uh, in Australia's founding of avoiding the mistakes that characterised Britain. Mm. It, sure. it seemed like a, an opportunity to make a fresh start. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so uh, that was one of the things we did to avoid sectarianism. We simply just didn't talk religion in public. It wasn't polite. It, it, yes, it wasn't polite. And it still isn't quite often. Mm, yeah. But it's led to this notion that we're not religious. And... Look, my study shows that we're no less religious or even more religious than countries like America, which is famously religious. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, well, having worked in both countries um, in ministry and Bible work and so forth, I would have to agree with you just, you know, anecdotally from, you know, meeting the average person on the street or on their doors or whatever, Mm. that, um, you know, we are definitely a, a spiritual country, maybe not as, you know, definitely not as overtly religious. Just a very quick question. Um, with the Anzacs, what, what proportion of them would have professed um, a particular kind of religion? And I'm assuming Christianity. Sure. Now, Christianity is the overwhelming religion they, they profess. Um, I, I read... Uh, a, a thousand diaries myself, or the soul, the, the diaries of a thousand men. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and was it true? From, Did you find that they didn't mention religion? It's not true at all. Oh, that's what I was wondering. In, in fact, the book by the historian who says they weren't religious <clears throat> is actually full of quotes about religion, but his mindset was secular and he didn't see it. I found out of about a thousand, I read just more than a thousand, <clears throat> Something like 360, 370 of them speak about religion in ways that indicate how they felt about it. Sure. Well, that's, that's a third. That's, that's, and when that's I first, very large. Yeah. When I first came to this project, I thought, look, 10%, that's about the proportion of men who went to church in Australia. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, look, you know, 10%, that's, that's still a significant minority. But I was blown away to discover actually more than a third of them talk about religion and uh, not all of them positive but i i think 20 to 25 percent is a more realistic estimate of the percentage of anzacs who took religion seriously sure sure now question was were there other religions present other than christianity 
Very little. Uh, about of the of the four hundred thousand men who signed up for the AIF, about a thousand of them were Jewish. Mm-hmm. But and uh, a, a, a very very small proportion put down no religion at all, like or, or atheist or agnostic. You know, it's twenties and thirties, not. N- out of out of the four hundred thousand, you're talking about twenty. Out of four hundred thousand, yeah. Mm. Wow. Now, now, you have to face the fact that the majority of men weren't religious and would have put down the the religion of family tradition, or by default, they would have put down Church of England. Sure, sure, yeah. Now, I have a question. I'm sure you've heard the phrase "There's no atheists in foxholes." Do, uh-huh. Were there any sort of stories in these diaries about soldiers who? had a conversion experience or were experiencing, you know, spirituality for the first time or they had like a curiosity or something happened that piqued their interest? Was there any, any stories like that? Multiple stories. Oh, really? But it's, it's, it's one of the myths that gets blown out of the water. Mm-hmm. To be honest, as men approach their first experience of battle, their interest in religion grew. And I've got multiple stories of that. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. Mm-hmm. And many diaries comment on that. But the fact is, the longer they were exposed to war, generally, the less religious they became. Oh, that's so heartbreaking. So did that then have an effect on religion in Australia after the war? Um, Actually, men's interest in religion did increase because of the war. But when they came home, the, the, the religion they preferred was non-sectarian. They hated how Christians fought each other. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there is one God, one Christ, one Bible. Why are you at war with each other? Mm-hmm. So they tended to go for a kind of a non-denominational Christianity. Mm. And when they came home, they found the churches bitterly at war with each other because the churches in Australia were deeply divided over issues like conscription. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, they found the churches very unreceptive to where they were spiritually. So they went off to somewhere where they found some kind of spiritual nurture without harassment. <clears throat> and that was the RSL clubs. Right. And so that explains to uh, some extent, I guess, why we have, you know, a very, very strong um, sense of spirituality in this country, but not a very strong sense of religion and, and church membership, so to speak. Did they exactly. not have, um, did they not have uh, like army, um, what do you call them, chaplains present on these? On that, yeah. yeah. You, didn't you write a book about a, um, the man who actually really inspired the Anzacs? Yes, my my last book was um, The Man the Anzacs Revered. It's biography of uh, William McKenzie, the the most famous chaplain of them all. Mm, Fighting Mac, I think he was called. Fighting Mac, indeed. And chaplains were often widely respected and admired. I've got a whole chapter in this book on on how soldiers felt about chaplains and how chaplains felt about soldiers. Mm. So, so yes, the the chaplains were often, not always, but often highly effective. But as I said, you can have a good chaplain. You come home to your home church, and they're fighting each other. And you think, well, you've seen that's enough not of fighting. Exactly what I want. Yeah. Um, so with um, with Mackenzie, uh, how would he have been viewed amongst the soldiers as compared to, say, you know, a great hero like uh, Simpson? <clears throat> well, Simpson was not a great hero in the eyes of the Anzacs. In fact, most of the Anzacs didn't know him until he appeared in Australian newspapers. Whereas. Mackenzie was a genuine leg- legend amongst the soldiers. Uh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Simpson was virtually unknown. So Simpson was a creation of uh, what? Australian propaganda? Uh, absolutely. There are two books that study this in great depth and, and reveal how Simpson, who was as courageous as anybody, sure, but simply wasn't that particularly well known, well, he only lived, what, 17 days or something or other on the front line? Yeah, about a month. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I'm not denigrating Simpson because he sure. did a good job yeah, of what yeah. he did, but mm. he simply was not famous. And he was 
his story was blown up in order to uh, encourage recruiting. I mean, you've got Propaganda. this guy rescuing the wounded with a with with a donkey. It's so Christ-like, you know, mm. the Good Samaritan. Um, Mackenzie was an actual legend amongst the soldiers. No man is as frequently named in soldier diaries as William Mackenzie, and he was a chaplain. He was an aggressively evangelistic chaplain, mm -hmm. but he was charismatic and and won their hearts. He worked incredibly hard. And, and he's one of a number of chaplains. Again, in my book, I talk about chaplains, but not just chaplains. Ordinary soldiers took services, uh, ran Bible studies and prayer meetings, uh, got involved in, in religion in all sorts of ways. It's estimated that about 200,000 Australian soldiers Listen to the famous evangelist Gypsy Smith, the British evangelist. Two hundred thousand yeah, yeah. soldiers voluntarily thing. went to hear him. There was no compulsion. You can't tell me the Anzacs weren't interested in religion. They may not have been religious, but they were interested. When religion was presented in a manly, uh, realistic way, Anzacs rocked up. Yeah. Yep. They, they wanted to hear. And I think, you know, this is my opinion, I think that we have um, feminized Christianity too much, and which has created a um, an imbalance within Christianity that other religions don't have. Um, and it's, it, yeah. Can I just ask, exactly. in, these, uh, in the diaries that you read, did these soldiers ever have questions for God? Because I imagine, you know, because when you said when they first hit the war, it, it, it's it spiked their interest in religion, but then the longer they were out there, the, the less their interest stayed. Is this, you know, what are the questions? I'm, I'm guessing the reason for that is the whole, if God is so good, why is our world so bad? And when confronted with so much evil, that question would have really, you know, been driven home. Do they have any sort of reoccurring questions for God in their diaries? Yes, they do. Probably the issue that matters most, I, I, let, let's be frank, most men got into religion before their first battle in the hope that God would save them. Sure. Mm -hmm. And it pretty quickly became obvious that the men who prayed died at the same rate as the men who didn't. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got endless diaries, you know, men saying, God protected me, God protected me, and then they're killed in the very next battle. Sure. Um, uh, so m men who were looking f to religion for, for um, physical safety obviously that didn't work. And so since it doesn't work, they turn elsewhere. In fact, m most men become fatalistic in battle, even Christians. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yes, they do ask spiritual questions. They they have to figure out why did such a good man, such a wonderful Christian get killed in the last battle and his, his uh, you know, the men next to him who, who are, uh, are not Christian survive it. Why... Why were they losing battles and the Germans winning battles? And, and all these questions come up and they have to wrestle with it and try to make sense of how God actually works in this sinful world. How, how does he deal with issues? And I, I have a whole chapter on how Anzacs wrestled with the notion of God and war because mm, it is yeah. an important theme in their diaries. That's, um, that's fantastic, uh, Daniel. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I think we could probably sit here and chat all, uh, all morning long, but unfortunately we need to move to a music break, and this is Audrey Sad, Be Thou My Vision.
if what God has already done isn't enough for you, nothing's going to be enough for you. Because it's meant to be real. And real life stories have baggage. We know that Peter's a loose cannon. It's all about context. And he chose different personalities to express that because his personality is infinite. If it's a love song written to us, when we're at our lowest points, we've got backup. Like a lot of the rational arguments for the existence of God, they tend to work better after you believe. Hi, this is Luke from oztabletalk.com.au. Please join myself and some of my closest friends as we explore our faith through conversation, Bible study, interviews, and more. You can find us online at oztabletalk.com.au. That's oz as in Australia, A-U-S, tabletalk.com.au. Looking forward to seeing you there. Bye. I'm so glad that's recorded because I want to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> Someone called it a care package there. <laughs> wow. <laughs>